Welcome to another episode of the Recommendation podcast, where we talk all things business, love, and science. Today, I am joined by one of the most inspiring people in my network, Steve Chapman, who is the co-founder of Shine Drink, and I have the absolute pleasure of also calling him a friend. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me on. I'm excited to chat. I know this is going to be a good conversation because when we talk, it often gets quite existential, deep, and you know, controversial. We we like to pull apart theories. So I'm really excited to sort of dive into your mindset. So let's let's start from the basics. Tell us a little bit about Shine Drink and how that business came about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for all those that don't know, um, Shine here, I've got a sample on me. Uh, it's a delicious beverage that makes you think, feel, and do better. We use natural nootropics, which are age-old ingredients that help energize and awaken the mind. Uh, things like turmeric, ginkgo, ginseng, green tea, B vitamins, L-theanine. Started that six years ago now, in our seventh year. Um, the drink's in 7,000 stores across Australia and New Zealand. We've sold about 40 or probably $50 million worth of shine drinks now. And um, it's been an incredible journey without its, not without its challenges for sure. Um, started that with a guy called Dr. Sam Prince. Uh, who's a serial entrepreneur, philanthropist, uh, and the founder of Zambrero is his kind of most famous for. Uh, and doing, you know, an apprenticeship under him for the first three years and then um, starting Shine, as I said, about six, six, seven years ago, really out of a personal passion to uh, get more out of the day, optimize my energy levels, um, try and stay more focused and concentrated, you know, through waking up at 4.24, going to bed at you know, 10.30 and working for most of those days or hours, um, it was kind of going as coffee or energy drinks with the two solutions to kind of keep you going. And uh, Sam and I just thought there's got to be a better alternative than that out there. So we uh, went down a, well, I went down a Reddit um, rabbit hole of nootropics and <laughs> the underworld of nootropics and what everyone thought about them. And then Sam being a medical doctor um, came at it from more of a medical um, position. He uh, had a lot of friends in 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 science, and they understood more the, the literature behind it to making sure it was, you know, top grade qualitative um, qualitative science behind it as well. So when you and I met, I think it would have been twenty seventeen, something like that. When we both launched our companies roughly the same time, and I remember um, you briefly were talking about Shine, and it was just the beginning. But I mean that's an incredible mentorship to have. That's an incredible apprenticeship to experience. Can you actually guide us through how that even came about? How did he fall into your network and how did that relationship build? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say maybe fall into the network. I'd say deliberately, you know, track down and, and convince to, uh, <laughs> to kind of hang out yeah. and be friends with me. And And I think that's probably a lesson for everyone, which is, you know, how how deliberate are you with the people that you're hanging out with? How deliberate are you with the type of people you're trying to attract into your world? What are you trying to learn? And then who's the best in that field? You know, and then how do you surround yourself? So through osmosis, you just start naturally just hanging out in the same room as them. I, I'm such a huge advocate in regards to purposeful and in like, you know, functioning with intention, just like you said, like it's not just about falling into the network. It's about going, hey, this is the kind of people I want and then I'm going to go get it. But not everybody has that mindset like you and I. Not everybody has the balls to slide into someone's DMs or pick up the phone and make a phone call. I mean, 
where did, where does that come from? Where is that within you? Where would you have learned that? Um, I think probably through failure of not doing it to start with. Um, yeah. You know, my first business when I started when I was 18, 19, coming on the back of PwC, jumping straight into the deep end of entrepreneurship and, you know, swinging through the fences with trying to create a billion dollar company and get bought by Facebook. Um, that ended in tears and getting shut down and being sued by Facebook. Um, and the biggest lesson I learned from that was, you know, I've got to surround myself with people who know what they're doing. How can I get to that um, place where the people that I hang out with and speak to most of the time are operating at that level that I want to play at? And, you know, I'm a big, big basketball fan from a Kobe Bryant perspective. And, you know, just I think he just obsessed about watching the greats play and MJ and Shaq and um, Magic and Larry Bird play all the time, almost visualizing that he was hanging out with them. And then, you know, as soon as he got in the league, he, he, he tried to hang out with those guys. And just through osmosis, you get the subconscious, you know, kicking in as, as survival beings that we are. We kind of like to keep leveling up to kind of fit into our surroundings. So if you put yourself in the surroundings, that kind of forces you to, to, to scale up and level up, you know, It'll happen quite naturally without even doing much. You just kind of need to to just absorb it and be open to it. I think that's a big uh, picture sort of aspect of manifestation plus work. You know, you sit there, you set the intentions, you go, these are my goals, these are my dreams, these are my visions, here are my, you know, in daily intentions, here are my manifestations, but then you actually go do the thing and you set the tasks in motion. You don't just sit and stare at a wall and go like, I hope, you know, like fingers crossed, I hope it just happens. You yeah. actually have to put that energy out there um, and and walk those steps. But again, not everybody has that mindset. And, and I do believe that it often takes a bit of a punch in the face or failure, as you described it, to wake up and go, okay, what do I need? Like, what do, what do I actually need in my life to go get the success that I deserve? But I want to yeah, hear more. Yeah. Steve, how, sorry, just can we go back to that first business and what on earth that was? And yeah, please yeah, enlighten me. Sure. Um, look, I was sitting at PwC. I, I went there two weeks after high school. Had finished and in a suit and tie in, in the city and thought I'd made it or uh, at least an earlier version of success. And then very quickly realized that this was not what I was made for. This was not fun. This was not enjoyable. It was like I was getting pushed into the office every day instead of, you know, running into maybe the office now. So um, started looking around and as a kid, I could just never finish a book. Like I just had such a bad time trying to read and my brother would make fun of me could get through Harry Potter in a weekend and, you know, get through a couple of pages and I just I couldn't, you know, just stick to that task of reading. And and then I picked up a Richard Branson book um, and I read it cover to cover in a weekend. And it's the first book I ever read. I was probably 18 at the time. I was like, wow, like I was so encapsulated by that concept of, you know, his early start stages of entrepreneurship and just having a go and having fun with friends and this amazing journey of just having to crack it, you know, creating something and then creating the life he did uh, over time. And that just fascinated me that, you know, it was a magic spell was was bound by that and wanted to ultimately do that. So Facebook had just bought Instagram for a billion dollars. And I thought that sounds pretty cool. It was after 18 months, they had 11 people in the team. I thought, wow, that's what I want to do. I want to go create a company and sell it to Facebook and, um, you know, sit pina coladas on the beach after that it was my 18 year old kind of vision board. And um, so I started down that track, you know, I, I came up with a big idea, which was Facebook meets eBay. Um, mm -hmm. So 
very much what Facebook marketplaces is today, but 12 years ago, um, prior to that, my wife likes to think that I invented Facebook marketplaces. That's a nice joke. It's, you know, maybe I'll take 1% credit for it, but nothing more. Um, and, you know, it was how to buy, sell, swap between friends on social networks, you know, integration in Facebook and Twitter and had an auction system and a few other things built into it. And look, publicly went well, thousands of tens of thousands of downloads. It was one of the top rated apps in the lifestyle section. I won some awards. Um, and, but just deeply flawed from how I approached it from an entrepreneurship perspective. As I said, I had that ego that I kind of carried into entrepreneurship land. I developed that ego from a sense of protection through high school for getting bullied a bunch and, you know, trying to cover up my insecurities. And, you know, through that realized I didn't ask for help. I thought I was the Zuckerberg kid from, you know, social network and just telling everyone to F off and kind of, you know, I'm supposed to have the answer because I'm the genius. And uh, man, that was stupid. So I got smacked in the face by reality as I fell from, let's say, a, a made up heaven into a, a hell of reality at the time. And, you know, through that fall from grace, I smacked and woke up and realized, okay, maybe I'm not as good as I thought. Maybe I need to put in the work. Maybe I need to uh, surround myself with people smarter than myself and leverage their experiences. Um, I always like to think any idiot can learn from their, their own experiences. The competitive advantage comes from the experience of others. So, you know, I wanted to, um, yes, yeah, start being smart about it. And that's when I reached out to a bunch of mentors and, you know, a lot of them gave me different advice. Um, so I'd be running, you know, one mile in 20 directions and end up exactly where you started. Um, versus I thought, no, it'd make more sense to run one direction for 20 miles. So pick one mentor and go all in. And, you know, Sam ticked all the boxes for me. He was, you know, old enough. A lot of success has already, you know, achieved at a young age, but um, young enough to remember like what it was like to get started and have a friendship and have a bond there, not just uh, in business, but in personal life as well. And, you know, he just seemed as a holistic entrepreneur, someone I wanted to really learn from. And so, um, you know, had a list of, the, I think, the top 50 young entrepreneurs in Australia and just kind of just worked my way, getting coffees with as many as I could. And, and Sam uh, was at the top of that list where, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to, um, you know, I'm coming up to, I'm in my 10th year now working with Sam um, pretty closely. So it's been, it's been, a, it's been a magical carpet ride on some respects and but you know it's not without that magic carpet running into some mountains along the way just a few small ones but yeah. it, it's a it's such a beautiful um story because there are so many golden nuggets within that of even when we walk back to when you first picked up that Richard Branson book the first thing that I thought about was I was so curious as to what it was that drew you in and from your story it sounded almost like you were trying to produce that life of play like you wanted to live your dream create that amazing business but make sure you actually enjoyed yourself in reflection to that awful mm. tie and suit um, and it feels like you still carry that on you know yeah, I think my my worst days today are better than my best days back then. And, you know, I, even if I have a bad customer call or a bad news or something happens with our manufacturing product, it's like, no, I chose this. Like, you know, I chose hiring a team and, and training them up. So if someone lets me down or I'm, you know, someone does something wrong, I'm like, no, I chose that. Like, that's on me. Like I picked this path and therefore I get to enjoy all the, the ups and the downs uh, because at least you have the empowered piece of control. 
I think that's the big thing there. It's when it's an empowered choice, when it's your journey, but the intentions and the values and the purpose are so aligned, what's a shit day? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter in the end because you're living this life that, like you said, you hold accountability for. But um, it's, it's so interesting because you went from, you know, this corporate life to this ego mindset and almost money driven, you know, interrupt me if I'm wrong, um, where you were, you know, pushing to achieve this financial goal. I mean, what then changed for you when you started Shine? What were you driven by? What was the point? What What was your why? Yeah, like I think when I started and it, it probably evolves over time as you learn more, but definitely when I started, it was to be, you know, Kobe Bryant, as I mentioned, is a big inspiration. And I, I read an article once he that he wasn't considered at the time the best of all time because they generally judge that by the rings that they win so you know he had five jordan had six he was it was an endless pursuit to kind of get six or more to kind of end that argument once and for all and so like he was getting paid the highest in the game he was getting you know lebron was arguably a better player at the time but kobe was getting paid i want to say at least double or triple what lebron was getting paid so it wasn't about the money it was about actually he needed to get another championship ring to kind of that was what's driving him he kind of had given up on the money for a while ago and for me that's what really kind of drives me which is it's like i want to play this game of entrepreneurship at the highest level that i can play it at and that's working on the craft working on the the mastery of pursuit of getting better every day in all the aspects of the game one remembering it's a game but two like all good sportsmen sports people they play as competitively as possible but still within the you know play fairly is is really kind of the two aspects of a good sport so for me that's what i want to do is play the game of entrepreneurship at the highest level that i can play so then end of my career hang up the boots and i'm like i have no regrets because i gave it my all and i and i tried my best to reach my potential such an interesting theory i i recently finished reading um simon sinek's the infinite game where he I'm not sure if you've read it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, but it's it's such a beautiful, um, you know, reminder of being grounded as well because we're all playing the same game, but some are finite and some are infinite. And it's really important to know where you sit on that spectrum because it also showcases the longevity of your business. And I know that Shine isn't built for something small. It's not to, you know, create a lifestyle. It's an empire that you're producing. So it, you have that infinite game mindset, but it requires a very large amount of discipline. This is not fluffy. This is regimented discipline, willpower, resilience, um, consistent self-development and self-awareness. And I know that you're deeply passionate about this stuff. When did this become important to you? And where where is your mindset around this entire world? Um, I think from a young age, I realized it, it happened in sports. I was, I was I was grateful enough to be competitive at sports as a teenager and as a young kid, I guess. Um, where you when you figured out for it, like it was just I don't know something just clicked where you go, oh, the more that I put work into training, the better the chances I win on game day, or like the more that I lift weights in the gym the better i play in rugby or the more that i go for runs during the week i actually row better or ski better and you could you could actually start linking this kind of effort on one side and today which leads to increased chance of success tomorrow 
And that made a lot of sense for me physically for a long time in terms of training and athletics. And then it was probably when I was coming out of maybe 2023, 2022, 23, and I realized that that also applies to the mental side of things. Like the more work you put into your personal development, the more chance of success you've got in your business. And I love there's an expression where it's kind of like you grow and your business follows. It's not like your business grows and then you try and, you know, you grow after it. It's it, as an entrepreneur, you're actually, your business is limited by how quickly you can grow. And for me, that's kind of a personal challenge to go, cool, if I want to double every year as my business, I need to be doubling every year and ahead of my business so I can keep it growing at that scale or I need to get out of the way and get someone else who can do that. Exactly. I mean, that growth mindset is so powerful. And, you know, I, I experienced the height of that personally, probably in the last two years as well. Obviously, COVID impacted all of us, especially those in retail and product. But I, I deeply felt from, from my experience that it impacts your personal relationships. Being in a state of growth and development, especially at that rapid phase mm -hmm. that, you know, you and I are quite similar, like we don't just do something, we have to do it better than anyone and then twice as fast. <laughs> and that can have some collateral damage in essence. I mean, have you had any challenges in your friendships or family life in, in regards to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's an unfortunate sacrifice that people need to make, not need to make, absolutely not, that they choose to make. Um, you know, everything in life has a cost and to pursue greatness in one field means pursuing almost zero in a lot of other fields. Um, so I, I did make a deliberate decision, you know, coming into my early twenties that I, you know, probably stopped hanging out with almost all of my friends, um, you know, my high school friends and my friends past because I couldn't afford to go out drinking. I couldn't afford to catch up on weekends. I, I wasn't willing to pay the price and sacrifice potential upside at the time for gains in entrepreneurship or productivity or learning or the things that I was trying to get ahead on at the time. So it was really unfortunate because they're, they're really, really good people. And they're so important to have a good social circle. And it's, it, and it's really healthy to have a great social circle and hang out and catch up in leisure time. Um, but between the ages of 21 and 27, I really didn't have any time for friends i didn't have any time for social activities i did go on holidays you know i've been with my partner who's now my wife for 10 years and for the first seven years we didn't go on a holiday together and that's another sacrifice of you know she is an incredible person uh, who you know as well and she's got that supporter spirit in her and it's a you know an understanding that we had very very early days that i had like crazy big dreams and she was like just so on board to support and help me achieve them whilst I'm supporting her dreams as well. But we both kind of signed up for, hey, we're not going to take many holidays. We're not going to um, go to many dinners out during the week or we're not going to catch up with friends all the time. Um, and that's that was perfectly okay with her as well. She loved that. Uh, and we built a little cocoon there for a few years. And, um, you know, now maybe on the back of a lot, a lot of hard work, I'm trying to integrate some of that a little bit more back into my life, but it's just coming from a very different place these days than where it was back then. I mean, I have the absolute pleasure of knowing Lauren and, you know, speaking to her and interviewing her separately as well. And she is just phenomenal, so inspiring in her own right. And um, it's so unique 
to have two, you know, individuals in, in a marriage and a partnership that are so aligned in that aspect, I think you you must hold a bit of, you know, grace around that she is very special in that sense. You, you two make such an incredible team. But I can imagine, and again, this is just a, I guess, an experience share. I, I went through something so similar. You make that choice, right? It's 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 a decision you make, but comes with that loneliness, and often it impacts your mental health because we are social animals, like you said. I mean, how did you deal with that? I can imagine there were ebbs and flows of, you know, unregulated emotions at times. I, I think I went the other way, which is I turned off emotions. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, I, I developed a fantastic skill of just pushing them all down into some dark cupboard and locking the door and kind of going, oh, I'm just not going to think about that. I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, blindly, just ignoring it. Um, and that has long-term consequences. I'm working through that today and probably for a while with, you know, the long-term impacts of that. So I never want to recommend anything to anyone because everyone's context is specifically different but for me just going all in on something made the most breakthrough progress that then compounds like i think networks experience skills these things compound if you keep at it day after day year after year so if you do that for 10 years you know just the mathematics on that just adds up so much that if you work two or three times more than the average person and you read a book every week for a year and you do that for 10 years and you've read 500 you know i think i've read over probably 800 books now like that just, you, it's hard to keep up then if you're i don't know trying to launch a pedophile energy drink company it's hard to then keep up to kind of go i'm going to read a bunch of books over a summer it's like you do that once it's like well i've been doing it for 10 years like it's it's, it's just a different um cost that we're paying i guess and you've read probably as many books as, as I have. And it's like each of them builds connections with previous books. And then you find new patterns and new insights that you can only really get maybe after you've got 50 books on the same topic. Um, do you finally really get that true insight that it hits in a different way? So for me, I pushed my emotions down. Um, I didn't really reconcile with them for a long time. And that's, I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with it. It, it put me exactly where I need to be. Um, and then now I'm kind of going, oh, interesting. Let me see if I can integrate them a bit more into my day-to-day -day. and then come from a, at a place of from self-love or self-care and really doing it because it's best for me, not because I'm fear of like trying to prove myself really quickly or fear of validation or acceptance from a certain person or individual or social group um, or this generalized anxiety of like, I'm not good enough every day, I need to go do more. I think I'm a lot more peace now with my own progress and then i'm driving just as hard if not harder but it's coming from this beautiful place of like effortlessness instead of me like whipping myself from behind pushing myself i'm so glad you said that it, it it's such an important thing to acknowledge and i think the point you really touch on which i am very fascinated by and often like to bring up is the difference as entrepreneurs when you operate from a place of fear or love and not just entrepreneurs any individual just from as a human, it is uncanny the difference in your output and your level of success uh, availability when you do function from that place of I'm grounded, I'm content, I'm full of self-love, self-respect, I have clear boundaries, there are consequences to those boundaries. And 
your sense of just energy is like you said limitless it's it's in abundance things just tend to flow a lot easier and i mean personally i noticed the transition i went through quite a difficult time about eight months ago i left a very toxic relationship and through therapy through support of my friends i managed to go from functioning from fear to functioning to love and the yes. growth and the success that i was able to achieve just in the last six months it's actually scary <laughs> it you kind of can't comprehend it and you go what have i been doing my whole life <laughs> like what if i did that for 10 years <laughs> but it's yeah. it's really beautiful it's starting to think about what but like i think you just get to new levels of consciousness where you go and once you almost break through or get that insight you can't go backwards right like there's there's a um i think there's an expression called like a vampire decision where there's decisions in life where once you make the decision you actually can't go back and reverse the decision and often you don't know what it'd be like on the other side of the decision so you kind of need to leap into it with a bit of faith um and hope that you like it and make the right decision beforehand but you know i think those levels of consciousness unlock and then you kind of see the world a bit differently after that point for me it's like stages of adult development theory i think was one of the articles i've read where you end up kind of going from a passenger in your life who's you know let's say you're in a car and you're with your parents and they're like we're going to the beach and you're literally sitting in the passenger seat and you're looking out the window going oh this is beautiful there's some trees oh yeah we're going in that kind of general direction oh look you know there's traffic and you kind of just observe in and but like your life's moving in a direction that someone else has agreed for you and there's a very deliberate moment in life when you actually realize you're in control like you're in the driver's seat and you get to pick where you're driving and you get to pick how fast do you want to get there? You want to pick, do you want to break the rules or not? You get to pick who's in the car with you. Um, and it's a beautiful moment to go, actually, I'm in control of my life. And then um, you get to really pick any destination from that point. I love that. I love that so much. I think that's such a beautiful analogy. It it really, you know, cements, I think, what we're trying to say here. And when you grab it by the balls, <laughs> excuse the French, and you do take control and you make those empowered decisions and they're coming from that place of love rather than fear, I think the journey is is beautiful regardless. And then when you do go through the shit time, like COVID and, you know, the stress of, of being in consumer products, uh, even that doesn't seem so big, you know? How how did you- I think you... I've got to give you credit for, I think your industry and your you know channel of your products would have got a lot, a lot harder than what we got hit with in terms of petrol convenience and grocery and things. Like there were some more blessed, I guess, consumer products than others. And um, I don't want to be a, someone that Sand had a really tough time through COVID. Um, energy drinks actually had good sales through COVID and we had a, you know, a good year, but um, there was a lot of hard industries, which was just one of those challenges. Like it's, I think there's like hard times often or like failure can lead to learnings and then learnings leads to success and then success leads to complacency and then complacency leads to failure. And it's this ongoing journey that we're on. It's not that we're winning or losing at a particular point. It's just we're at a certain point in that cyclic um, or seasonal journey. And, you know, if things are going really hard, it means you're learning, which means you're about to win. And if you win in, you know, you might get complacent and you've had to lose. So they're not, you know, good or bad points of the journey. They're just, they're just facts of, uh, or, or kind of milestones along the way. I love what you said earlier though, about that. If, you know, anyone can learn from their own mistakes, we hope, but 
the real, I think, wisdom and intelligence comes from when you learn from others. And I, I've argued with someone about this point where I have this theory that you don't have to go through something terrible necessarily to learn the lesson. And there are a lot of successful people out there who haven't had hardships or failures, but they've had that, you know, ability to be aware and hypervigilant and observant um, in everybody in everybody else's failures. I mean, what what are your thoughts on on that concept? Um, we have a concept we do every week. Um, we talk about it. It's called win or learn. And for me, it's like that's the only two outcomes. It's, mm. it's like there's literally no other outcomes. You win, keep doing it. Great, celebrate the win, pat on the back. And then like share what the win was so then everyone else can learn from that win. And then the other outcome is a learn. Like, cool. Pain plus reflection equals progress. Uh, Ray Dalio talks about in his book, Principles. And yes. you know, how do you like how do you take the pain and turn it into progress? How do you take the failure, so to speak, or what I call a learning opportunity? And then how do you actually level up and not just you, but people around you? So, you know, each week at Shine, we'll do a weekly win or learn where we kind of go, well, what's the biggest thing we won this week? Great, everyone can celebrate. And then what was the biggest thing we learned this week? And then great, everyone can kind of leverage each other's learnings just on a weekly basis in the team, for example. Um, but that's why that's the beauty of, you know, the written word and books and, you know, as history and, and as humans, we, we are in such evolved world today only because of the fact that we wrote, wrote things down from previous generations. Like we know we don't need to figure out everything from scratch every single time someone's born. Like we know... You know how physics works we know how electromagnetics work we know now about machines and computers and code and you know we don't need to start from scratch with every lifestyle we can leverage those and you know as newton says stand on the shoulders of giants um so for me it's going let's not reinvent the wheel let's figure out what everyone knows about everything get to let's say the coalface of information and then try and innovate from there like that's where the true work should be done and your time focusing on not learning what everyone else already has figured out and you're just not bothered enough to look. I mean, that's the theory of rethinking, right? But you touched on a, a small aspect before, which was about pain and evolution in terms of, you know, you go through something difficult and it's not just business, it's personal life as well. But the thing is, human behavior is complicated. It's not black and white. There's emotions involved. So sometimes you go through something difficult and you choose the wrong path. You mm. go into victim mentality, you spiral, you go through these things. And not everybody has the capacity to emotionally regulate. So it, it is a mind. Capacity, just different levels of capacity and different, I guess, entries into it. Yeah, like the awareness, right? It, it's it's all relevant to the stage you're at in your own personal development. So it really requires a deep level of self-awareness and reflection. And I think what I'm so interested in you is how high level yours is. Um, you know, where where else are you instilling that into your life? I, I, I know it's in your work, but how about your relationships and family life? Um, I was encouraged a long time ago from from my mentor sam um who he, he posed a question of you know steve you're a smart confident intelligent guy like you know you'll be a natural leader in certain parts of your world and you know it might be the foot, footy club it might be your family unit it might be uh, in your friendship group you're kind of deciding where you're going to have dinner that night or whatever it is like this natural leadership occurring but he he kind of posed like who's going to lead the leaders? Like when a bunch of leaders get in the same room, who's going to lead the leaders? Yeah. And it's a fucking amazing question because it really kind of goes, yeah, wow, like what does, what is the true elements of leadership 
that can elevate you more than other leaders because everyone in their own ability and world are actual leaders and you know we but at a certain point we do organize ourselves in some sort of hierarchy where we can then organize community and structure and plans and goals and teamwork etc um and he and he and he posed that those that can understand first and more first and foremost understand their value set so what do they truly truly believe in and and actually believe uh is important to them and then secondly who's going to stick to it even though the world is burning outside who's going to stick to it more than the other people and they're the two elements that he posed which i believe in which is you know understand yourself understand what you truly believe in your value set and then stick to it even though the times are tough because a lot of people they say they believe in something and then when they actually face with the cost or the consequence of it they'll fold pretty quickly and you know this yeah. is certain degrees when at a certain point everyone might crumble in their value set versus a true true leader you can see it in the, the greats of our time Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King or Gandhi like these guys went through extreme suffering to the point where they truly believed in their value set and they stuck to it even though they would probably go through near death experience or death in some situations um so that's i think the theory behind it my my practice of that um is i have a value set um that i developed it's on this ring here i made a custom symbol um for it which has got eight points it's got four major points four sub points and then x marks the spot in the middle which is encouraging self-awareness and you know so i've got four main virtues i've got four sub virtues or values and then um, i try and reflect on it on a daily basis and then kind of go where am i hitting those virtues where am i falling short of them and where am i kind of being complacent where i'm not really doing anything negative or positive for it and then might you know each week have a focus so for example it might be humility it might be mastery it might be self discipline it could be um wisdom and they've got like vitality love gratitude and um curiosity so like i'll then go and look at my life and kind of go cool how am i pursuing self discipline this week and then go all right look actually maybe i'm going to slack on that i'm going to rate myself down on that oh wisdom great i'm reading i'm learning i'm taking a step back i'm trying to get perspective i'm learning from people smarter than me cool wisdom's great like pat myself on the back for that so you know borrowed a lot of that thinking from well, some of it from benjamin franklin he had his like 13 virtues and he ranked himself uh, every day and put a black dot you know next to one that he failed and he did that every single day for the, for his life and you know he said he never got to uh one day where he had a clean sleep but he said the pursuit of trying to get a clean sleep made him a far better person in the in the pursuit of it um and i really enjoyed that and resonated with that when i read that uh, a few years ago i i think that's such a beautiful sentiment and and sort of a lead up to my next question was a little bit more about tangible advice i think uh, I know you also ha have this passion for stoicism and, you know, the theories and it, it can be a little bit unemotional at times and a little bit detached, but I don't feel like you practice that level. Um, for someone wanting to attain that level of willpower structure and perhaps the pursuit of understanding their values and developing their own system like yours, where does one start? Um, I think a lot of people do get slightly confused by, like, let's say, Stoic and Stoicism, and you know that they actually are different words in 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 literature. Where Stoic yeah. does mean to be cold and kind of, let's say, emotionless, but yeah. Stoicism is more the practice of controlling what you can control and ignoring the rest. Um, but practically speaking, I look at the path to guide 
the, the present to enjoy and the future to motivate. And so it's, it's kind of not spending too much time in the future because you end up becoming sometimes anxious that you haven't achieved again, impatient and, you know, but also again, not spending too much time in the past because you become regretful or you can become, you know, complacent. You can go, I've already made it or whatever it is. Uh, and then I don't know if this is where I fully landed, but not spending too much time. You can't spend hundred percent of the time in the present. I don't think controversial may be based on some <laughs> spiritual texts, but, um, we love a I, bit of controversy. <laughs> I do think, like, I think it's good to reflect. I think it's good to, you know, learn from history and learn from your past mistakes, learn from what you've done, not just kind of blindly forget it forever. And at the same time, I do think it's good to have an orientation. It's good to have a North Star. It's good to have some goals to work towards and orientate yourself going forward. So, but I, I also think you've got to enjoy this moment, the journey, the foot in front of you, uh, where your feet are. So, um, yeah, so how, practically speaking, I'm trying to spend some time in all three of those buckets. And how are you when it comes to following your intuition? Let's just say I've never made a decision with my gut that was a wrong decision, but I've definitely made decisions I didn't listen to my gut that were the wrong decisions. <laughs> Do you use that as a factor in decision-making in work as well? Yeah, 100%. I, I'm trying to move towards whole body alignment where you kind of mm -hmm. look between you know what does the mind say which is a beautiful amazing problem solver thought generating pattern recognition you know subconscious you know data patterns mathematical logic rationale like beautiful amazing love it um look at the heart like what's my heart trying to say where did where's my kind of caring love support lead me to what what option would they choose and then my gut like yes or no which way do you think? What's it saying? And, you know, sometimes your gut shouts and sometimes it whispers and it's important to listen, um, even if it's whispering. I think and then I try and get whole body alignment where both, all three are saying the same thing. I, I mean, I'm so much in connection with that. And, and again, based on the experiences that I've had in the last year, the moment I reconnected to my body, my mind, my soul, my spirituality, my decision making felt so simple and mm. clear and that whisper became a scream in itself mm. everything just felt easier and clearer in that aspect and i think uh, a beautiful learning exercise that's practical is working with your breath mm. and taking the those three seconds five seconds seven seconds of deep breathing to clarify to reconnect and realign before you answer like it it's almost like buying time to listen yeah you know, to the inner yeah, voice. there's a military theme where it's as slow is smooth and smooth is fast mm. and i think that's important when we're considering decision making you know to actually slow down means it's smoother you don't make as many mistakes up front you don't need to go back and redo your work and if you do that over time it's very fast and you can make progress really quickly and you know that's definitely a learning journey for me it's not something i've had very naturally i was quite let's say logical only uh and over the years working with some people and some coaches they've done a great job to try to go hey there's like there's a whole part of you like neck down that you should probably be <laughs> listening to and talking to because you know you know you probably know i do some crazy endurance runs and ironman and triathlons and 100k runs and those type of stuff and you know you do think just shutting off the body and just pushing through the pain is the one way forward and, and it definitely works but at what cost over the long term is probably the, the more important question to ask and I think 
now when you look at um, when people aren't in check with their body or in check with their gut, you know, they often, it's not like the, the body stopped talking, it's just you've stopped listening. And you, you often, I find at least in my experience, or I often are numbing it with other things like extreme exercise. Back in the day, it could have been drinking, it could have been excessive work. So I, I never give myself the opportunity that my body or my gut can actually try and send me a message or that I hear it because my mind is so busy with um, ideas or um, or just numbing it. So I'm trying to get not peace of mind, but peace from mind. It's it's a very important um, thing to like distinction to sort of to understand because um, I talk a about this quite a lot. So back in 2016, before you and I met, I was essentially in a wheelchair with a walking stick and I was in chronic pain, 10 out of 10. And through the power of mind, I was able to basically turn my pain receptors off. I was in excruciating pain. Like this was like, I could not walk. I couldn't barely function. And the pain was so severe that I couldn't handle it. So I went, I'm switching off everything, emotions, physical you know, connection to the body. And it wasn't until the last sort of two years of my life that I was able to reconnect because I was so scared of the pain and I was so scared of feeling and experiencing wholeheartedly. But what I didn't realize was I wasn't giving myself the love, the support, mm -hmm. you know, the foundation of safety for the pain to actually heal itself and and work through it and, and go away. And wow. you know, it's that same theory of numbing that, you know, neuroplastic capabilities allows us to manipulate our body and our mind at in such a powerful way, we don't even realize the power that we hold within us. So what happens when we actually embrace it with love, that power is exponential. Like what can you achieve now? Like now you can go do crazy marathons and all these crazy things that you're doing, which is amazing by the way. <laughs> um, but you're going to perform at even, you know, an extremely higher level, I think. Yeah, you could definitely you know, I think that it comes from then not a place of like, how long can I suffer? But it's like, how long can I enjoy this? And that's it. It's not a, hopefully, it's a certain point. I, and I, I don't want to get too, let's say soft. Like it's not, there's one answer to this. There's a context. And Aristotle right. talks about the golden mean, which is the, 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 the right balance between two extremes. It's not, you know, one side is selflessness and one side is selfishness and they're both wrong. They're not, one's the right answer. There's just, at a certain moment in time or context, what, there's a certain balance between selfishness and selfishness that is the right answer. Well, you uh, know, they're the same thing, right? It's like hate and love. You can't hate someone and not love them at the same time. The two extremes are actually, of course, in the same spectrum. So selfishness and selflessness in extremes are actually identical, um, yeah. which most people don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I think for me that's the same in these like I don't know, say endurance events. There's there's a balance, and sometimes it's just checking in again, slowing down with yourself, checking in with the body, checking in with okay, cool, where's this coming from? Is this is is this going? Hey, body, you've got it. Like you can actually push a little bit harder. Awesome. Or no, I'm actually facing some injury. I'm actually facing you know serious damage. Okay, maybe it's safer to pull back and actually listen and and love yourself and give you yourself what you need. And sometimes. It needs to push harder like definitely like sometimes your mind can be tricking you to kind of go yeah i do need to sleep in i shouldn't i should press snooze another time in the morning or yeah it is a bit rain outside i might get sick if i go for a run like i think there's definitely a lot of 
it, you know, the mind's amazing thought generator. And sometimes they're just throwing up excuses. It's just like <laughs> throwing patterns. You don't need to listen to them. Like you get to slow down, check and go, hang on, do I actually believe in that? Like what, what's my gut saying here? What's my heart saying? What's the rest of my body saying? Not just my mind throwing random stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I think the the funniest conversation I had in regards to this, which really made me think, was um, someone said, actually, in fact, the mind is the gut and then the as in like everything really the, the epicenter of your being is the body like the body is in control it's in the gut and then the mind is just sort of like the little you know evil person sitting on top like generating everything and doing all the thoughts and and i think you painted such a nice picture of like you know it can throw those excuses at you because it is a thought generator it's not the leader actually your yeah. gut is, and your body is the leader and it's it's often people get it confused the other way around yeah. and, and yeah, i think yeah. it's it's a nice way to reframe the control aspect of, you know, how you can actually lead yeah. your life. And some people hear, you know, the mind's, you know, just throwing random thoughts or just trying to distract you. It's like the mind's an amazing tool. Like let's not hate on the mind. It's a beautiful tool. It's just not, it's not you. It's not, it's That's not what it. you actually think. It's not, it's just, it thinks and it's suggesting to you, you know, some ideas and you get to choose if you want to listen to it or not. Like, that's I think sometimes the beauty of meditation where you can just hopefully get to a place where you can just see an individual thought come in and then just kind of exit with no change to any other part of your physiology. It's, it's literally just a passing thought like the cloud in the sky mm. and you get to choose what you want to do with it. It doesn't mean anything. You actually apply the meaning on it. I think that's such a beautiful way to sort of wrap up the context of, you know, everything we're, we're bringing up and everything you've achieved, especially with Shine Drink, I, I think it it symbolizes your values and everything you've expressed today. And, you know, if we could sort of leave on one little point, what's one walkaway piece of advice or statement that you can inspire us with? I suggest... Well, my biggest learning for myself would be around slowing down, really trying to understand what's the most important to you, not what other people think, not what family thinks, not what friends think, but like really listening intently to yourself inward and go really deep if you can constantly um, and then having the courage to follow through on that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Steve. It is Always such a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>